Good morning. So, uh, for those of you who are here and actually aren't Christians yet, we are so happy that you're here with us. Uh, because we want you to know this is not a club that you have to sit on the outside until you come to the same belief that we have. This is a place that we just come together as Christians, as, as the big church. And this building, you know, we, we call this a church, but this building is not the church. The, the church is every one of us is, who's come into a relationship with Jesus Christ that, that understands who God the Creator is. And, and we are so thrilled that you are here, and, and I, I'm going to let a little bit out of the bag. We're going to let you in on some secret sauce this morning. If you're not a Christian, I'm going to be talking about how we as Christians engage with people who aren't Christians. And, and a little bit of our secret on, on our ul ulterior motives as we build relationships with you. So, so buckle up and hang on uh, and, and listen to what we are going to go through today. So I, I, I love getting off the plane in Little Rock the other day and, and having that blast of cool air. I know it's not as cold as it can get here, but it was so refreshing. I, I grew up in Colorado. And, uh, you know, I'm used to good, harsh winters and, and putting on layers and everything else. And in California, I've gotten kind of soft. So it was a good wake-up for me to step off of that plane and, and get a little fresh air into my lungs. And I'm, I'm just delighted to be here. I'm a pastor at Shoreline Church in Monterey, California. Fairly good-sized church. We have a number of pastors. I'm just one of several. Uh, but my primary responsibility is leading a ministry called Organic Outreach International. And with Organic Outreach International, we teach and train pastors and, and denominational leaders around the world on how to change the culture of our churches to stop focusing on ourselves and start focusing on those who don't yet know who Christ is. And, and oftentimes as I'm traveling, just as today, I have the opportunity to linger an extra day and, and just share with the congregations and what our charge is and what we've been called to do and, and, and hopefully provide some steps and some tips to, to help equip you to go out and do this naturally. Now, we call it organic outreach. It's really natural evangelism. But the, the challenge is when, when we say the word evangelism, people pop this picture of what evangelism is. And, and unfortunately, it's a picture that's not really comfortable for most of us. Now, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a gifted evangelist. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I have gifts that I was given by, by the, with the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian. I have the gift of leadership. I have the gift of discernment. I have the gift of hospitality. I do not have the gift of evangelism. But I also don't have the gift of compassion. That doesn't mean that I'm off the hook for trying to be compassionate to people. It doesn't mean that I get to be a jerk to everybody that I run into. I still need to try. It's, just, it's harder for me because I don't have that gift. It's the same thing with evangelism. Just because we don't have the gift of evangelism, it does not let us off the hook for doing evangelism. But fortunately for us, that picture that we have, that picture of, of a preacher standing on a soapbox on a corner and beating people over the head with the gospel as they pass by, that's one tiny, tiny, tiny segment of evangelism. And God can work through anything, and he will work through that, and maybe one out of every 10,000 people that walk by will be at a place in their life that somebody's been scattering seed, and somebody's been preparing the soil, and they're ready to hear the word delivered that way, and they'll come to understand who he is. But for the other 9,999 people who walk by, that's not an effective way of evangelism. 
when we look at definitions of evangelism, we kind of understand where this picture came from. One of, one of the definitions of evangelism, if you look in Webster, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it says, pursuing with a militant zeal. How many of us like to be pursued by someone with a militant zeal? How many of us like to pursue someone with a militant zeal? It, it doesn't sound very friendly to me. So it's a wonder that so many Christians just sit back and stay quiet because we're not gifted evangelists because we don't want to be the preacher standing on a soapbox. Another definition of evangelism says it is a preacher or a pastor sharing the gospel with those who don't know it. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you study scripture, it does not say that Pastor Steve is the only one in Greenbrier Nazarene Church who's supposed to be sharing the gospel. And, and quite frankly, in the evangelical Christian world, we're all equal. I may be a pastor, but that doesn't change my obligations, make them any different than what your obligations as a Christian are when it comes to sharing the gospel. I'm just privileged and blessed that I get to do this for a living, and, and, and I study the word a lot and do that, but I'm no different. I have no greater connection to God than you do. My prayers are no more important than your prayers are. And the relationships that I build are no more important than the relationships that you build. You have no idea what God can do through you. You have absolutely no idea what God can do through this church. You have no idea what God wants to do through you and through this church and you have no idea what God's going to do through you and through this church. Isn't that exciting? The unknown, the, knowing that we, we serve a God who is all-powerful, who can make anything happen, who can tear down any barriers, any burdens, anything that gets in our way and, and achieve his success through us. Not through our own efforts and our own power, but through the Holy Spirit that he has indwelt us with. You have no idea, and, and I know this because this is the story of my life of faith. And it's the story of your life of faith as well. In Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 3, this is, this is a whole section where Jesus is, is teaching, and he's teaching through parables. He's telling these stories and hoping that people kind of pick up on, you know, he's, he's matching things to something they can understand in their own life that has a great spiritual meaning. So he's talking, he's, he's talking about sowing the seeds. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, now this is, in, this is incredible. Back then, seed was so amazingly valuable. And the fact that this farmer is out there taking this valuable seed, and he is just scattering. As he's scattering the seed, some of it fell along the path, and the birds came, and they ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns. And those thorns grew up and they choked the life out of those plants so that they didn't bear any grain. And still, other seed fell on good soil. 
It came up, it grew, it produced a crop, some multiplying 60, 30, 60, and 100 times. See, this, this sower of seed was just relentlessly, intentionally scattering the seed, didn't pay attention to the soil that it was falling on because that's God's work to deal with. He was just faithfully scattering the seed. In Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them. He came to the eleven disciples. And this is what he said to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, this is me with all authority in heaven and earth telling you, the eleven disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This itself is a command. That includes this command. Teach them this command and all the others. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He is telling these disciples, go and make disciples who will go and make disciples who will go and make disciples who will go and make disciples until it's down to you. This is how God chose to work. This all-powerful God who could bring anybody to him at any point that he chooses chose to work through us. What an amazing privilege. What an incredible responsibility. In order for us to to step into this, to, to step into evangelism, we first have to have a heart for the lost. We have to actually really care. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe what you believe is really real? Just think about that for a minute. Do you believe what you believe is actually really real? Because if you believe what you believe is really real, then you also believe that it is an absolute reality that anyone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ will spend eternity in hell. And that hell is separation from God forever. Our heart has to break for these people. If if you're here and you haven't accepted Christ yet, my heart breaks for you. I long for you to come to an understanding of who he is and what he can mean in your life and what it's like to be in relationship with him. It doesn't make everything in your life rosy and and everything's wonderful and every, every day you're just smelling the the roses and and going through life and and lucky-ducky, everything's fine. No, you're still going to have challenges. You're going to face struggles. You're going to have pain. But through that pain and struggle and challenge, you will have a joy and a peace that no one else can have except someone who's in that relationship with Christ. I grew up in a non-Christian home. Grew up in Colorado. It was a very intellectual home, and we were just smarter than all that scripture stuff. Kind of a universalist. Whatever's good for you, that's great. Whatever you believe, that's fine. And yet there were still influences in my life. When I was in second grade, we were living in Denver, Colorado. 
And there's a friend of mine who lived across the street. His name was Donald Doty. And they went to church. And, and in fact, every Sunday, this bus came by. The joy bus would come by and, and take him to church. And he came, he, one day he said, hey, Walt, why don't you come to church with me? Because they just started this thing. If you come with me, if you ride that bus five times, they'll give you a transistor radio. Now, I know most of you are saying, what the heck is a transistor radio? But I'm telling you, this was a technological breakthrough. This was an iPhone of the 1970s. It was, it was this big. It was a radio. I could put it in my pocket. I could get AM and FM. And I wanted one of those. So I said, I will go. I will ride that bus with you, Don. And I did. I rode that bus exactly five times. And I know those five times, I was a thorn in the side of that bus driver. I know that those Sunday school teachers... They, they poured into me and poured into me for five weeks, and I would cut up and break up in class, and I was a nightmare to them, but they kept doing it. But I didn't become a Christian. When I was in third grade, we'd moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, and, and in the summertime, all my buddies and I, we'd go out in the street, we'd play kickball. But I noticed the second week of the summer, I noticed that on Tuesday at 3 o'clock, everybody disappeared. And I'm like, what, what is going on? So I... You know, I, I read Encyclopedia Brown. I know what detective work was like. So, so I, I did some detective work. I figured out there's this house on the street that this woman, every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, taught Bible study for the kids. Like, I don't want to sit out here by myself while they're all sitting there. So I went to that Bible study and sat in that all summer long. Every Tuesday, 3 o'clock, I was there with my friends. And she kept pouring in and pouring. I'm sure she was, she'd probably get done and say, boy, that little Bennett kid, that little whatever, but she poured into me every week. I didn't become a Christian. All the way through junior high and, and senior high school, I had friends that went to various churches, and you know, Sundays were, back then, I know it's hard for you to imagine, we had three channels on the television, it was black and white, and, and the only thing of any interest whatsoever for a kid my age was Gumby. I think they only had actually made like five episodes. You'd watch the same one over and over and over again. This was my Sunday morning. All my buddies are at church. So I, you know, I would go ahead and go to church with them just to break that monotony and the boredom. And I went to about every denomination there was and, and sat through sermons and, and Sunday schools and never became a Christian. In 1998, I was 37 years old. And my life changed dramatically. I had been incredibly successful at everything I did in my life. Everything I tried to do, I, I, I was able to, to accomplish it and accomplish it well. And I was absolutely convinced that I was the author of my success. Good old me. And in 1998, everything came crashing around my shoulders. Within the period of a month, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was a musician, classically trained musician. I played bassoon, much like I'm sure many of you did. Uh, I played bassoon for 25 years. And I, I had a surgery that, uh, that left me unable to play anymore. And that was my, that's where I would go. That was my place to, you know, when life was getting me down, I would go and play and just enjoy music. I couldn't do that anymore. I had a relationship for 20 years that completely fell apart. I'd spent nine years in the Navy, 
and, and I'd been out for a few years and said, God, if I can get back in the reserves and get 11 more years, I can get that retirement check. And I'd been working for a year to get back in, and I got shot down. And I was left with these things crashing around me, realizing for the first time in my life, I, I'm not in control. In fact, I never was. And wondering who was. Now, I was fortunate enough that there was a person at work that I'd come in contact with a couple of times. We'd been through a training together and, and, and just in interactions with them that something was different. And, and I, I found out that they were a Christian. And I, I went to them and I said, look, I you know, would love to just pick your brain. You know, I, I've been to churches and things. I never quite figured that Christianity thing out. I'm, I'm just looking for answers right now. And I just don't know what direction to go. And they said, well, first thing you need to do is get a Bible. So I said, okay, great, I can do that. Give me an assignment, something to check off the list. I can make that happen. So I went to the bookstore that, that evening, uh, was a little flummoxed, came back the next day without a Bible, and I said, there are like 80 different versions. Which one is the truth? And they said, well, sorry, it should have been a little more specific. They're all the truth. They're just translated different ways for different purposes, but the, the meaning is all the same. So just get an NIV Bible and, and, and just start off, just read the book of John. So I did. I went and got an NIV Bible, and I, I read the book of John that night. And then I kept reading. And in the span of about two weeks, I read the entire New Testament. And, and, and suddenly, all these, these pieces that I, I'd just gotten here and there through, through my first 37 years of life started falling into place. And I went back and reread John, the whole book, about four times. And in there, I, I saw this picture of who God was. And I realized who it was that was in control. And a couple of months later, I gave my life to that maker and creator. I did wind up marrying that person a year later. And uh, it's been amazing. I do not recommend evangelism dating to anyone, uh, but sometimes it works out. But you see, there were seeds that had been planted in my life. That joy bus driver, that Sunday school teacher that put up with me, they, they just scattered seed. And, and it was probably disappointing to them that I didn't become a Christian under their watch, but it didn't matter. They still kept scattering seed. And I don't know how many other kids they scattered seed into their lives. I found out after I became a Christian, I had an uncle I hadn't seen since I was four years old. He's the only Christian in my entire family. He'd been praying for me every single day. That woman that taught Bible study to the kids on Tuesday afternoons was relentlessly scattering seed. They have no idea what happened with that seed. But they didn't care. They knew God would work with what they did. I'm the result of organic outreach. I'm the result of people finding ways that are natural to them to share the character of God. That's the rest of evangelism. And absolutely, we pray that we'll be the one that's there at the finish line, that we're there to share the gospel with them, that we get to rejoice when they see the light. 
But we need to not be discouraged if we're not that one. You know, there's, there's a diagram that we use in, in the teaching I was doing yesterday. It, it, it has the cross right in the middle. And it goes, it has steps. It has minus 1, minus 2, minus 3, all the way up to minus 20. And on the other side, it has plus 1, plus 2, all the way up to plus 20. And the idea of this is that, you know, evangelism is everything that happens from minus 20 steps to the, the cross when they cross over that threshold. And evangelism is everything that happens from that hardcore atheist who just absolutely believes the opposite of God at minus 20, all the way up to the cross. Different stages of belief, different stages of life. Our challenge is to figure out where somebody is on that journey and, and not to take them from minus 20 and pop them over that threshold because you know what? This is a little secret. None of us can ever make anybody except Christ, nor can we prevent it. God does that, but he wants us to prepare the soil, to scatter the seed, to water, to nurture, to bring someone from a minus 20 to a minus 19 and rejoice in that, to take someone from a minus 14 to a minus 12 and rejoice in that, to maybe, maybe, maybe be the one who's fortunate enough to be at a minus one, and they're right there, and something's going on, and you just share your heart with them, and they accept Christ. All of those steps should be blessings to us. It's a privilege to be pouring into others' lives. Every Christian has been called to witness to others and to share the gospel. But there is a lot that has to happen. And there's, there's long distance in a relationship between, hello, my name is Walt, and by the way, have you heard about Jesus Christ? Sometimes it's a few days. Maybe, maybe they were right at that minus one step. Sometimes it's a few weeks. Sometimes it's months. Sometimes it's years. Sometimes it's decades. We have to intentionally, relentlessly just find ways to keep moving them along that spectrum. But when we finally get them there, we have to be ready and prepared to share the gospel with them. You know, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, I was on my way home, driving home, and I was just about two blocks away from my house. And I came around this bend. As I came around, there was a Lincoln Navigator sideways across the road on its roof. There was another vehicle just past that. Couldn't see the condition of that one. There was a, a man outside of the navigator, trying to pull a woman out of the, the passenger window in the back seat. And I, I, got, I got out of the car. There were no emergency vehicles. I was clearly the first person on the scene. And, and yeah, I had a lot of first aid training in the Navy, but that was years before. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, I, I just want to do whatever I can to not cause any more harm. And I knew him trying to pull her out was not the best thing. There was no fire. There's no, you know, I mean, just wait for the emergency people. But he was, he was drunk as a skunk. And, and all I could do is just try to keep him from pulling it out. She had a compound fracture, the bone sticking out in her forearm, and, and just she was hysterical, as, as I probably would be were I in her shoes. This was traumatic to me, and, and I left that scenario. The emergency folks showed up, and they, they took over, and, and, and I, I left. And, and I left there with this, this feeling that I never, ever want to be in that position again and not know exactly what to do. So I'm a bit of an overachiever, so I, I went and got certified as an EMT. And 
when I walked out of the, the testing center, I'd been through my weeks of practical and, and gone through all the scenarios, and I made it through the exam and, and smoked that and came out and going home from that testing center, if you were going to get in an accident, I'm the one you wanted right behind you. Because I was ready. I'd been practicing. I'd been rehearsing. I'd been going through it and going through it just ready for the real thing. It's been two and a half years. My certification was good for two years. I haven't been riding ambulances. I haven't come upon any other accident scenes. I haven't been practicing the scenarios. So if you're going to get in an accident on the way home today, pray that there's somebody else behind you. So I'll probably do a little better than the average person, but I'm not what I was when I walked out of those final tests. When's the last time you shared the gospel? Are you ready? If you're in a relationship and you're having a conversation, suddenly a moment comes on and the Spirit's whispering in your ear, this is the time to do it. Are, are you going to be worrying more about how do I do this? Am I going to share it the right way? Am I going to be the one that keeps them from become, becoming a Christian, which, by the way, you can't? Am I going to mess it up? Or are you going to be so prepared because you've been practicing, you've been rehearsing, and, and it's second nature to you, and in the moment you're able to focus on them and naturally share the gospel with them? And we do outreach training at Shoreline Church every year. And, and about two years ago, it's a, it's a two-hour training. Two years ago, we decided we're, we're going to get people in the practice of practicing. So the second hour, we broke it into 15-minute segments. We had three different apps that we'd identified. One helps you, you know, how to, how to share using the bridge illustration. One of them was how to, how to walk somebody through the Romans road. And, and there's a third one. And then the fourth way that we came up with is, is sharing your own conversion testimony in a way that the person you're sharing it with hears the gospel the way that you heard it. And so 15 minutes for each of the segments, what we did is we had everybody download one of the apps, and then we would demonstrate, we would role play using the app with someone, sharing the gospel, and then we turned to the, the participants and said, okay, now, whoever, you turn to each other, so pair up, whoever has the biggest left hand goes first, you have three minutes, share the gospel the way we just showed you. Dead silence. And, and, and these, are, these are Christians sharing with another Christian with a way that we just showed them how it works, and they have an app on their phone that walks them right through it. And they were afraid to start. How likely are they to be ready to share the gospel when it counts? So we, we managed to get through that, and finally they started doing it. And then we said, okay, now switch roles, and the other one do it. And then we went through the second way and the, the third way. By the time we got to the fourth way, with just using your testimony and, and, and sharing the gospel the way that you heard it, we couldn't shut them up. We couldn't stop them. You see, it just took, in, in an hour, we got them to the point that they were comfortable sharing the gospel with another Christian. And then our encouragement to them after that is keep practicing. Keep recertifying yourself. Practice with your spouse. Practice with your kids. Practice with your, anybody. Just keep practicing so it's second nature. We need to be prepared if we want to be used by God. So I'm going to share four different ways that you can help effectively scatter seed, that you can go out there and, and start changing the world for God. The first one 
something we call the one degree rule. So when I'm talking about degrees and the one degree rule, a degree is a degree of temperature. And, and this is a measure of your outreach temperature. It's not a measure of activity. It's a measure of your radar. It's a measure of your awareness. It's a measure of how you're, what lens you're using to look through life every minute of every day. So it's a scale from one to 10. And the best way to, to illustrate this is to give you a couple of examples. So the first example, I wake up in the morning and immediately I'm thinking about my schedule for the day. I'm thinking about all the appointments that I have. I'm thinking about the tasks, my honeydew list, all the things I need to check off through the course of the day. I'm, I'm prioritizing things. I'm trying to navigate and, and arrange so that I, I can be as efficient and effective in my day as I can and get all the things I possibly can done. As I go through the morning, I'm continuing this, this moving pieces around and thinking through it and, and rehearsing you know, how I'm going to handle things. And, and on my way to the office, I'm, I'm starting to try to check things off already. And I go through my day and I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes I miss something, I get distracted, and then I got to figure out where am I going to stick that? Do I have to move it to tomorrow? And I'm checking things off my list. I'm checking things off my list. And I come home and over dinner, I'm talking to my wife and she says, how was your day? And I start running down the list of things I, I accomplished and, you know, give her all the things I didn't and say, I'm going to have to do that tomorrow or I'm going to push one to next week. And as I'm going to bed, I'm thinking about tomorrow's list and, and how am I going to navigate through that? So on a scale of one to 10, if we're talking about my outreach radar, my outreach temperature, where do you suppose that falls? Anybody can say it, go ahead. <laughs> Probably a zero. I said one to 10, but I'll give you zero. It's a zero, there's no outreach in there. I didn't even think about outreach. I'm just trying to be efficient and effective and get everything done that I possibly can. I'm an accomplisher, I'm gonna do stuff. Well, let's, let's try another day. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I'm on my knees in prayer. And I have five specific people that I'm praying for who don't know Christ. Three of those, two, two are siblings and one's a parent. And, and then two more are just people I know. And I'm praying for them. And, and for my family, you know, they're far away from me. And I don't have a lot of opportunity to interact with them on a daily basis, even a weekly or monthly basis. But I'm praying that God is putting people in their lives who will be in a position to show the character of God to them. That somebody will be put in their lives that will take them from a minus 18 to a minus 17. Or a 15 to a 14. And I'm praying for God to do that. And I'm also praying for my day. I'm, I'm thinking through all the people that I'm going to be interacting with today. I'm thinking about the conversations I'm going to have today. I'm thinking about the relationships I have with all of these people. And I'm thinking about where they are with respect to spiritual things. And I'm, I'm praying that God gives me the wisdom and the discernment and the words to say in the right moments to move them one step closer to the cross. And I'm praying that, and I'm telling God, I know that you have some divine appointments lined up for me that I don't even know about yet. Let me see those when they happen. Don't let me pass them by. Use me. And as I'm having breakfast and I'm getting ready to go into the office, I'm, I'm prioritizing the relationships and I'm prioritizing and, and lining things up to, to make sure I can be as effective as I can for the gospel. 
And I go through the day, and, and, and as distractions come and get in the way, I have to reorganize and juggle things, and, and I'm thinking about conversations I had, and I'm rethinking those and saying, Is there, could I have done that better? Did that go okay? What, what's my next step with that person in that relationship? How do I move them one step closer to the cross? And as I'm talking to my wife over dinner about how my day went, I'm talking about the people that I engaged with. I'm talking about the relationships that I'm trying to go deeper and deeper and deeper with. As I drift off to sleep, I'm thinking about tomorrow and the people on my agenda for tomorrow and, and what those relationships look like. On a scale of one to 10, what, what's my outreach temperature on a day like that? Better. That's probably a 10. Now, now, here's the reality. We are engaged in a spiritual war. Every single day, we are going into battle. And when we are working to keep our outreach temperature up, Satan is working to drive it down. He's working to distract us. He's working to discourage us. He's throwing things in the way. He's putting up obstacles. And we need to be praying our way through that, and we need to be fighting that battle. But the reality of that is, it means that we will not be able to be a 10 every single day, no matter how hard we try. In fact, we may rarely have a day that's a full 10. It means our temperature over time is, is going to do this, because life happens. So the key of the one-degree rule is not to try to be a 10 every single day. The key of the one-degree rule is set your baseline temperature. I encourage you, when you leave here today, be thinking about your temperature. Talk to somebody you came with and set your, what's my temperature right now? And as you move forward, keep checking your temperature and think about what can I do to raise it one degree? This is why it's a one degree rule. Just raise it one degree. Things you can do to raise it one degree, you can spend more time in the Word. Spend more time talking to God. Spend more time in prayer, specific prayer for people in your life that you're building relationships with. And this is a hard one. Spend time with non-Christians on purpose. Schedule it into your life. You know, we're so comfortable spending time with Christians because we all behave pretty much the same. We all believe the same things. It's so comfortable and, you know, those non-Christians, sometimes they, they just act in ways that aren't very Christian-like. Well, they're not Christians. Of course they don't. But if we don't spend time with non-Christians, how are we ever going to show them the character of God? Proximity. Spend time with people who don't know Christ on purpose. Love them. Build relationships. Get to know who they are. Get to know their struggles and challenges. Celebrate with them when things go well. Sharing stories of what's happening as you, you work on raising your outreach temperature. Sharing stories with one another helps to raise our temperature. It encourages us. Number two, building relationships. And when you go through the grocery store line and, and you see the same checker that you've seen Every time you go for, for the last however many years you've been going to that store and, and you say to them, how was your day? And they say, great. And, and they ask you how your day was and you say, great. And you finish your transaction, you move on. No communication took place. I guarantee you their day was probably not great. And yours probably wasn't either. 
But, you know, if you stop to take time to start unpacking that, it's going to drag out into this conversation. You don't have time, and they've got people in line behind them. And, and so you go through this formality of how was your day. Change it. Instead, ask, next time you're in that situation, you say, what was the most interesting thing that happened to you over the weekend? They can't just answer that with a great. Now they actually have to, they have to share something about their life. They have to share, and maybe you'll pick up, maybe they'll say something about their family. You'll learn about their family. Maybe you'll learn about what they're interested in, their activities. And if you keep asking interesting questions every time you go through the check stand, you're going to learn about them and who they are. You're actually going to build a real relationship. You know, my wife and I have been doing this with, with Tim Marie. She's a checker at the Lucky Store that we do 90% of our grocery shopping at. And we started doing this about a year and a half ago. And, and she is, you know, when we first went there, she was like the grumpiest person in the store. It's like we, we kept asking ourselves, how does she manage to keep this customer-facing job? She just must be really good on the register. I don't get it. But we began pouring into her, and we began asking her questions. We began learning about who she was and sharing who we were. And we got to the point that we, on, on three or four different occasions, we have prayed for her in line. One, one of these times, she, she shared with us, she had just gotten a text from her sister in San Diego who got diagnosed with cancer. And we prayed with her right then and there for her sister, for the doctors. She knows that we love her. And we hope and pray that we are reflecting the character of God to her. And she hasn't come to church yet. But we're going to keep going. And we're going to keep building that relationship deeper. And we're going to keep praying for her. Who do you have these surface contact relationships with that with just a different question you can start going deeper? The third way, prayer. You know, when we became a Christian, we were indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We were indwelt with this Holy Spirit that has the power of God inside of us. We just have to call on it. We just have to pray and enter conversation and ask God to show us his will for us. What can we do to further your kingdom? We need to call on him more. We need to be praying because, once again, we cannot bring anyone to Christ, but he does. And the fourth thing is focus on scattering recklessly. Just scatter. Just have conversations with everybody and anybody that you see. Build relationships. Let God do the converting. Focus on moving people along that spectrum from minus 20 to the cross. Don't be so fixated on getting a notch in your belt because you're the one there that got them over the finish line. Our work is moving them closer to the cross. Our blessing is when we're able to be there when it happens. Back to Mark 4, verse 8. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. You have no idea what God can do through you. When my uncle prayed for me every single day, he had no idea what God was going to do with that. He had no idea that at the end of that, 
I would become a Christian. He had no idea that not only would I become a Christian, I'd become a pastor. And not just a pastor, but a pastor who goes around the world training pastors and church leaders and denomination leaders to get people out of the pews and into the harvest field. He has no idea that millions of lives that will be impacted because of his simple daily prayers. The woman who invited all the kids in to her home, she has no idea. The bus driver, the Sunday school teacher, they have no idea. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait to see these people in heaven and to tell them, you have no idea what your persistence resulted in, what your obedience to God's call on your life to scatter recklessly. When you get to heaven, I hope and pray that people come up to you and tell you that you have no idea what you did in their lives, what God did through you. But God knew, and the angels rejoiced. Be that agent of change. Be faithful and scatter relentlessly because you have no idea. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I've been inspired. I've heard uh, several people yesterday and then this morning following the early service going to Brother Walt and saying, I needed that. I need that stirring in my soul. Yeah. I shared with our church board a few weeks ago as we entered into this new year that I really felt God was wanting us to sharpen our focus in the area of evangelism. And uh, when that happens, Satan is going to be on the attack. He's going to try to uh, distract us from that. But in this passage that Brother Walt shared with us this morning, Jesus didn't say, I suggest that you go and make disciples. We are commanded as the body of Christ to make disciples. And so if we're not doing that, if we're not going to the lost and sharing with the lost and getting, our, getting involved with the lost, and it's messy and it's going to make us uncomfortable, it's going to make you uncomfortable. But if we're not doing that, we're basically saying that we don't care that God called us to those people. We don't care that those people are going to die and go to hell. I don't think any of us church people would say this morning that we don't care if people die and go to hell, but do our actions reflect that when we leave here? When we come in contact with those people every single day, the, the girl in the checkout line, you know, the waitress at, you know, Ropers or wherever it is we go for lunch today, we have no idea what's going on in their lives and whether they even know Christ or not because we're too busy to find out. And so the, the challenge to me has been, it may be time we get our hands dirty and get the church dirty, and we don't know how that will look, and it will get us way out of our comfort zone, but that's what we've been called to do. And I appreciate, Walt, you coming all the way from California to Greenbrier, Arkansas, to share uh, your heart with us today, and we're so blessed. Let's close with a word of prayer this morning. God, we thank you for this wonderful reminder that uh, you've brought to us through your servant, uh, Walt, to this morning and yesterday 
God, we thank you for the stirring that we sense uh, in our spirit and in our souls. I pray that you would continue uh, through your Holy Spirit uh, to fan that flame, to remind us that as the children of God, we have this incredible and amazing gift that we've been called to share with others. And uh, how selfish of us would it be for us to just, you know, carry that and enjoy it ourselves and hang on to it. But God, to uh, the, the beauty in it is, is sharing that with other people and seeing you work in other people's lives. And, and, you know, we've been called to spread the seed. And we know, some of us know firsthand that we may never see the fruit of some of that seed. We may never know, uh, you know, what you did with that seed, but... We know that you have called us to scatter seed. And so I pray that you'd find us faithful. You'd find us obedient to that, uh, of sharing the the character and the love of God with those that we come in contact with every single day. God, I pray that you would give us eyes and ears to see and hear what you see in this world and how it breaks your heart and how you want to help and how you are the hope that this world needs. And so as we go out from this place, we're leaving this building to be the church. I pray that we would be faithful. I pray that we would be a beautiful reflection of who you are, of your mercy, your grace, and your love that this world wants to see and needs to see so desperately in their lives. And so, God, we love you. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your help that we're going to need as we approach this week. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have an incredible week this week. Stay safe.